You're listening to an artist interview from Chirp Radio. You can find more interviews at chirpradio.org slash podcasts. Hi, this is Mick, and you're listening to a Chirp Radio artist interview. I am on the line with Chase Cole. How are you doing today, Chase? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Doing good. So you have a new EP out. The title is Dear, Dear. Can you unpack that a little bit for us? Where does, where does that title come from? Yeah, um, it's strangely, it's a title I've been hanging on to, I feel like, for quite some time at one point. I always just thought it would be a great title for a project. And long before I actually started writing the project that it ended up becoming Dear, Dear. I was always surprised to find that nobody had taken that one. So when I decided to start developing this project with the man I wrote it with, Barry Goldberg, that the whole sound just enveloped in this sort of sweetness, this, it's sort of a darling retro sound and, uh, and dear, dear just felt like sort of the cherry on the Sunday to me um, for this one. It just encapsulates the sort of tenderness of the whole experience. And this album's sound is a little bit of a departure from your previous LP, which had more of a folk leaning. Um, I've heard some comparisons to Joni Mitchell. How did your sound change for your new EP, Dear Dear? Firstly, we, we went much more heavily electric and then moved into sort of a very specific realm of music when I brought on this co-writer. This project is really a marriage of both of our styles together. And we had wanted to write together for some time. He approached me about writing a few years back and eventually we found time to do it. Um, And we really bonded over our love of 1960s girl groups and found that nobody is really making music like that anymore. And what I find interesting about it is no matter what generation you're from, that style of music feels nostalgic for everybody. It's, It's this sort of time capsule that spans between generations if you're from the 60s obviously you know whether you were raised in the 80s and heard it on the dirty dancing soundtrack or whether uh in the 90s you might have heard like the shirelles on the now and then soundtrack whatever your introduction was so we just figured why not take a crack at doing a sort of modernized version of that and obviously i have a a much more folk singing voice so we thought it might add a little something interesting and once we started writing the music just kind of wrote itself is Barry Goldberg your co-writer? Barry Goldberg, he's uh, actually from Chicago. He's a one of the early Chicago bluesmen, but he, I mean, he played with Ray Charles. He played with Bob Dylan for 40 years. He played with Phil Spector himself. He played with, he still plays in a band with Stephen Stills. He's, he's really an unbelievable player. He's played at the Ramones, uh, Lou Reed and Leonard Cohen and all of these incredible players. So it's a, it's a real honor to be able to, to create with him. He's a special guy. So how long how long did it take to write your current EP? Well, the so the EP is part of a larger project. The the reason it's called Volume One is because it is a, a full length record that will come out in four EPs. Because we're doing this sort of retro fetishist sound, I wanted everything to feel really digestible, the way that let's say a two song EP in the '60s might have sounded. And it's such an interesting way to create because each little EP can have its own 
energy, its own feeling. And my dream is, you know, we'll see in terms of music release scheduling, but my dream is to release one each season until the full project is out. Um, So we started writing it. I would say we were writing on and off probably for six months. We have, we have really quick writing sessions. We, we work really quickly together. So the sessions themselves are not so long, and then we'll revisit certain songs, but we just crank them out. So what is it about girl groups that makes them so special, that makes their sound so transcendent, in your opinion? Yeah, well, I think, especially coming from a f- sort of having done a folkier style of record on my on my last release, um, I think the interesting thing about folk music that always struck me was its, uh, its, its intricacy. You know, you're really impressed when someone can do a really incredible guitar part. I think that's, you mentioned Joni Mitchell, I think that's, what makes Joni special is, you know, her, her guitar playing is like so otherworldly and beyond what a lot of people can imagine. And I think they, the thing that interests me about this sort of Motown leading sound, um, the songs themselves are concise to the point. They're filled with emotion, but they're, they're really bare bones, you know, the, the music sort of coddles this narrative of love, romance, youthful angst. Um, and I think what I found as a creator is the most challenging thing is to make something actually that's really simple and really beautiful and strikes people in a way that isn't boring. And I think that to me has been like the most beautiful challenge of this entire project. As far as your introduction to these songs, to girl groups and to Motown and um, that style of pop music. At what point did you start feeling like you were connecting with that sound? Was that something that happened early on or did you sort of discover this music late in your career? No, it happened really early on Um, uh, as a kid. So I grew up in music. My father worked in music and I spent my whole childhood on tour, literally like the most classic like rock and roll circus childhood you can possibly think of like napping on road cases whenever we could waking up in a different city every day um but I also got to watch live music every night and all of the musicians that I grew up around were like you know uncles and grandparent figures and big big siblings uh and all of their children were you know my life mates my schoolmates, my buddies like so I was exposed to a lot of music maybe that children wouldn't have been exposed to from a very young age. So my father is a diehard folk music fan and he drove this old, one of those old woody Jeeps and in Canada and we would listen to cassettes driving in the middle of the winter in Canada. And it was always like Woody Guthrie, Pete Seeger, Lefty Frizzell, Emmylou Harris. I mean, all of the original folk musicians, but the, the band that I mainly grew up on, on the road with backstage before every single show, they would play the Ronettes' greatest hits, their ritual that, that, that they did. And, uh, and when I was little and sort of expressing that I 
eventually would like to play music as a grown up, one of the guitar players in the band gave me a cassette tape of the Ronettes' greatest hits and the Shirelles' greatest hits. And that was it for me. I think I was probably 12. I think it wasn't until I started working with Barry and Lauren that I realized that that was a, a writing style that I was able to access within my own my own creativity. Songs of that era were really good at idealizing um, sort of a multidimensional romance where there is sort of a meeting of the eyes between you know two unlike you know people like people who you know have you know sort of uh, you know completely different uh, you know experiences of the world and yet they they meet eyes and really see each other. Um, and I was just wondering if you, if you wanted to comment on the type of romance that is sort of um, is sort of uh, described in these types of songs. I think, firstly, the, my biggest goal with this project, lyrically and narratively, was uh, the female narrative in those 1960s girl group songs. And granted, it was a drastically different time. Um, and I'm sure they are over-dramatized as songs tend to be. Um, it's just so incredibly problematic to any sort of feminist agenda. The character is so pathetic and she's so desperate to be loved and she can't live without her man. You know, there's a Crystal song that I continually come back to called He Hit Me and It Felt Like a Kiss about a woman who um, doesn't believe that her partner loves her unless he is wailing on her. We just wanted to do something and approach it from, you know, an empowered feminist perspective. And it's not to say that I'm attempting to replace anything, but to offer up a more hopeful perspective for women, particularly, but just from a female perspective, felt really important to me. So there's a lot of sort of script flipping um, in terms of that type of love. But I think the type of love that we're describing or that that kind of music encapsulates or tends to embody, it's definitely a little bit fantastical. It's definitely puppy love. I think it's also just about sort of an over-dramatized narrative. You know, it's it's really leaning into the magic of the moment. Even there's a song on the EP that is just a love song to New York City. And it's it comes from that same energetic viewpoint where you just kind of take a breath and look around and go, wow, the world is really a wonderful place. And, and it's sort of an awestruck perspective that I think we, you know, I find really refreshing because we've all become so jaded. <laughs> Chase, this has been really delightful. Thank you so much for your time. Um, is there anything that you wanna you wanna add before we wrap this up? Not really. Just listen to the EP. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, Chase, again, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. This has been Nick in conversation with Chase Cole. This has been an Atrop Radio artist interview.
This has been an artist interview from Chirp Radio. You can find more interviews at chirpradio.org slash podcasts.